Welcome back everybody to The Major Lift. That's my sexy radio voice intro that I tried and I bailed out of very quickly. I will be interviewing Julian Renzo. Julian runs Allegiant Studios in Williamstown and he's been doing that for 11 years. He's produced bands such as Bellacore, Wolfpack, Blackhelm and his own band Jack the Stripper. These guys are intense. Uh, They aren't playing any shows at the moment. So instead, Julian is going to be putting his latent rage into uh, powerlifting. And I've been watching him on Instagram over the last couple of months. And it's just been awesome to watch him progress from enthusiast into a competitor. Enjoy, guys. I think you're going to really, really like this one. Give a lovely and warm welcome to Julian Renzo, which is his secret name. Welcome, Julian. Uh, thank you very much. I'm not going to give away your thank secrets, you, okay? Adrian. I look forward to listening to the introduction. Yeah, the introduction is just 30 seconds of silence. <laughs> right. But it's in honour of, of your um, career as a powerlifter. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, it's, it's only just beginning, so um, yeah, that's, it's probably most suitable. So the, what, what we've got happening at the moment is I'm a frozen image on Julian's screen and um, Julia is sitting in front of... Prince Tutankhamun in his studio <laughs> in uh, Williamstown in, in Victoria. That's right. Comma, Melbourne. Welcome, Julian. What did you have for breakfast? Um, this morning I had eggs and an hour later I had uh, oats. Um, so that, that completed my breakfast. How about you, Adrian? Uh, it's a secret. I'm not telling you that. Okay, what I had, oh, I had oh. a Mediterranean salad. Okay. I don't, so, I don't know what that is. That would have capers? Yeah. Salmon? No. I'm actually, I mean, oh. this is totally, <laughs> to anyone I, chiming in. I really in, should know that, shouldn't I? And anyone chiming in now is already like, oh, God, it's got derailed very fast. But I'm actually vegetarian <laughs> now. It's very, very, what? um, it's very easy. Oh, I, did, I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So just a, a smear of pesto on some bread. Yeah, that's actually it. And, and veggies screaming <laughs> the whole way down. Oh, well, that's good. Please no, that's please good. don't eat me. Oh, well, how, do you, how do you manage to pack on all that muscle as a vegetarian? <laughs> says, yeah, says the guy who can't lift anything heavy for like another two weeks. <laughs> actually, so um, <laughs> on that, the last time, I'm going to start referring to you in the, the second person, third person. Okay. The yep. last time I saw Julian... Um, we were working on a, I think a music video together, but the day before we started filming, I was standing in his studio while he ate, I think an entire chicken. I mean a dead one, but you just stood there just like, we're just in the back room of your studio and you just demolished this chicken. I'm sort of like, we're chatting and I'm talking to your brother, Max, and I'm looking back at you and the chicken's sort of like just being vanquished. (laughs) Yeah. I, um, I, I, I try not to do that too much anymore. I'll, I'll mix it up eat too much of one thing and then you start getting sick of it. So when you have to eat all the time, you try and get creative with putting a few things together, at least two ingredients together. Are you still doing so, that? Uh, like, are you still eating heaps and heaps of chicken? Um, Probably more steak now. Ooh. I'll, I'll still have chicken, but um, I'll have... I'll have steak every day and then, you know, maybe there's chicken mixed into something, but... In terms of just eating off straight off the uh, carcass, no, it doesn't happen so often. <laughs> Plus, it's just gross. <laughs> yeah, it is sort of a bit, a bit gross. I mean, I kind of miss it. Yeah, yeah. Look, here at the studio, it gets. Uh, I can stink it up really quickly with with, with the chicken. It's uh, no, you know, not very popular when I do that. <laughs> so you've been out of the uh, the guitar game for a little while now, right? How long since you played your last show? Um, that would be uh, nearly 
nearly two years. So wow. um, I'll still play guitar when testing an amp for a client or, um, you know, just working in that capacity. Mm. Um, but I, I don't play so much just for fun. Um, you know, if JTS were to do, uh, I don't know, another, get back together, do another tour or something like that, then um, I'd practice for it mm. uh, because there would be um, a goal in mind. Um, but, you know, I've sort of shifted the time that I would spend on that uh, to other parts of music and uh, obviously sport. Are you just powerlifting or are you doing other stuff as well? Um, well, yeah. So, so the sport that I do is powerlifting, mm -hmm. but the training is uh, a conjugate system. So it's um, constantly rotating different exercises, uh, but basically doing a, a lower body max effort day where you're doing low reps and then um, a dynamic day. So doing it fast with accommodating resistance of bands of chains, that sort of thing. And then the same for upper body. And so you're always rotating. So for lower body, you might do a, um, a box squat or good morning deadlift. Um, then one time it might be conventional, the other time sumo, things like that. And then for upper body, it might be an incline press uh, straight bench press or um, anything to do with the press where you're going for a max. Mm. And that way you're sort of um, covering all your bases and ironing out any weaknesses. And then when it comes time to um, do the sport of powerlifting, uh, then I do a little bit of a, a linear progression, get used to the heavier weight. And um, go for a go for a single. I'm writing all this down. <laughs> <laughs> this is awesome. So, so two oh, two years ago. No, when was your first competition? February last year. Uh yeah, yeah, that's right. Fifth, so, fifth of February. Yeah, that's that's right. I told so you I, I did, stalked uh, you. Yeah, good, good. Um, I did four competitions last year. Ah. Um, and. I had, yeah, it was pretty much after the band came back from uh, overseas, um, I slept for about a month <laughs> <laughs> and um, I'd lost about 10 kilos. Um, so I just started to do some general training and saw the competition mm -hmm. and um, I uh, was supposed to have three months to yeah, three, three months is the usual time it takes to, to train for something like that. Uh, but I had two and, um, and it went really well. I got, got some good lifts and, um, I think I came was second in the first comp. Um, and then did another comp, um, about three months later. So just went back to another training cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, and these are just local comps, um, uh, came first in that one. Well, you came first. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. Well, I didn't we're, know that. we're talking just, you know, local comps. Uh, the level isn't so high. Yeah. Uh, so then when I did a, a federation, uh, joined a federation and uh, I did one in the GPC, it was more like sixth. 
That's a so, global powerlifting committee. Is that them? That's yeah. Got it. Um, and um, and then I did another. I did a strongman competition after that. Um, well, it was powerlifting and strongman, and I, I won the powerlifting component, mm-hmm. and then um, didn't do as well with the strongman just because it's so painful and didn't have as much time to to get as good with with that. Mm. Um, so this time I'm taking twice the time to prepare, and I'll probably just do two two competitions this year. I mean, that, so you've gone from playing, you, you guys played Rockstad um, Festival in Romania and you've played some other pretty, oh, you did, um, what's the other big metal festival that you guys did? Um, um, well, we, um, so, so we, we did some shows with Parkway Drive. That's right. They were all big ones. Um, and we played in uh, Czech Republic and um, I'm trying to think of the name, uh, Brutal Assault. Brutal Assault. That's the one. I've seen some footage from that. Yeah, yeah, that was um, that was amazing. So you're was, uh, you're backstage, you're with the dudes, and I've been backstage with you guys at sort of a smaller show before, and that was heaps of fun, like watching you guys get warmed up and get into it because your your show, let's face it, is is a mental asylum, just like a a reunion, a mental asylum reunion with Jack the Stripper. You're welcome. Um. What's mental asylum? A mental, I mean, just a place for the people who need to punch walls. Oh, right. Okay. So the environments, yeah, getting yeah. used to it and yeah, getting, getting, getting warmed up and, and psyched up. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's similar to uh, people getting ready for powerlifting competitions, I, I guess. And, and that's what we would sort of do, just try and get ourselves ready for a bit of intensity. What did you do? Uh, um, so, you know, we, we just, um, we do a little bit, little bit of um, dynamic stretching, and and uh, we'd have some caffeine. Um, <laughs> you know, mostly it was easiest to have it like as a, a pre-workout, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know, just lots of water. And um, you know, if the vibe was good, you know, we'd just sort of um, just uh, you know encourage each other, just to try and do a really good show. So you guys are you're ten minutes away from walking onto that stage. Have you got the have you got the image in your head right now? <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's a little different for me because apart from playing guitar and and you know writing music and stuff, I, I was also monitor engineering for the mm, band. Yeah. So I had a whole technical checklist to to sort out with a language barrier. So it involved you know plugging a splitter box, you know. And, you know, massive crews and, you know, all these people you had to deal with. So it's quite stressful just to get that all going and making sure everyone can hear everything. And then from there, I'm the last person to pick up my guitar and, um, and you know, start. And as long as everything's working um, and everyone's happy, then it's a good show for me and I can just, I can just play. But um, I, I certainly... Uh, Envied Parkway Drive that have separate person to do all that sort of stuff. <laughs> that just hang out backstage and um, you know they just come out and and and, and do it, which is you know, how it should be. But you know when you're doing it on a budget, um, you know you, you're trying to just uh, wear as many hats as possible. Mm. That that like I I remember we did a show. Um, we opened a festival in the Netherlands and. And, you know, but you know, I sort of joined the band late into their 
the exciting part of it. I didn't have to do many of the, yeah. the shit shooting shows. Yeah. Yeah. And best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> totally. And I remember we were opening this festival. It was, this one was, you know, sort of modest. It was um, the Midsummer Prog Festival and looking out, just taking a bit of a peek because we, we pretty much sound checked in front of the audience. And then we went back, mm. had a peek through and I go, holy crap, this is sort of, this is a, a beautiful event with amazing stuff and everyone's here and they've set up their gear and they've, they're like the photographers are all there and it's all really happening from there. And, and that's one of the only shows that I've ever totally blanked out. I'm glad there's footage of it around because I, I got really lost in that, <laughs> in that moment of just looking into the, so, the forest. Did you forget what to play? Not nailed it. <sighs> but I mean, that, that translating that excitement and energy that, that you guys I'm going to say have on stage because who knows how, how past tense this podcast may be in the future. But that is, it is a pretty remarkable thing to watch. Like, do you ever think about that when you're going into your lifts? Like you've done some pretty high pressure environments in your, in your career. Um, yeah. You know, we, we, um, the band had been around for so long that we've done so many shows together that, um, we didn't actually really get so nervous anymore, even in front of a, a big audience. It was just making sure the technical things were down, you know, guitars were where they needed to be and sticks and all, all that sort of stuff. Um, in terms of getting psyched up, um, everyone would have their process and we'd try and just sort of respect boundaries when needed or, uh, or come together if that was the vibe. Mm. But, um, it it is it is performing is similar to a powerlifting meet in that that there there is you the stage and you do something uh, and then you they clap hopefully <laughs> <laughs> uh, the main difference is that you you finish in the afternoon instead of the early morning oh that's quite nice yeah is it a competitive uh, advantage do you think like when you go out into that meet you're like I've done crazy things in front of more people I've got this. That doesn't freak you out? Yeah, well, um, so the people I'm competing with now, yep. um, I, I, I have a lot of experience in, in, in doing exactly just that. But, um, yeah, I, I'd, I'd never actually thought of the advantage. Um, I, I suppose there's a whole aspect which is so technical, which is I'm just having to, to focus on that and not get too carried away with... Uh, um, just a macho outburst um, because I'm having just to run over all the cues in my head and... Um, what sort of cues? Well, you, you have to sort of set your body up in a way that you can be tight enough to not leak any, uh, any power in a lift. Um, so that could be um, making sure that your, your, your lats are tight for a bench press or that your uh, obliques and abs are as tight as possible for a squat. I'm doing this as you say, um, I'm practicing the movement. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and that stuff just takes a, ta takes a long time. So, mm. you know, it, it's almost like learning to perform again uh, with music which being so automatic and um, on a powerlifting stage, uh, having to remember so many cues, I suppose, has just been the, the biggest challenge. But it is similar to music in that um, 
when you've done enough gigs, all of those things are just so automatic. You don't know necessarily remember what the notes are that you're playing. You just go into a muscle memory. And I guess that's the, uh, that's where athletes really start to become great athletes in that they just, they just um, work off cue of feeling. That's that like famed um, flow state that everyone sort of goes on about in the industry. Both industries come to think of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I suppose so. It was, um, well, when I was, uh, you know, playing guitar and also adjusting someone's mix, um, I know that I pretty much had the parts down, uh, that it was um, not so hard to have to sort of juggle both things. Mm. But, uh, but certainly with powerlifting, it's, it's definitely a lot more of a challenge at this stage. Yeah, you've actually, it feels a lot harder. There's actually, it's sort of, it's sort of funny thinking about the, um, the, the similarities and also, you know, crazy differences that, that goes on between the two worlds. I've got a, um, I've got a student, uh, his name's Tom, and he's, he's a, like a third Dan black belt in Taekwondo. And mm-hmm. I love this guy. He's so much fun to teach. And he's he's like a sort of an average guitarist, but but it's because there's no risk involved. Because you know taekwondo, you don't you don't go through with your practice and your discipline. You get just kicked in the face a lot. But guitar, you just uh-huh. you just kind of stay mediocre. Yeah, well, you know, even different kinds of taekwondo have uh, different amounts of self defense uh, in it. That not all of it is just sport based. But yeah, I I I know what you're saying. But uh, yeah, that um, really can vary from what you do and what you get out of it. The, yeah, the risk risk and reward. I mean, I I I get afraid in my lifting. It might sort of like I mean, to to take a step back for a sec. The the reason why I'm doing this podcast is more that I I sort of lack motivation in a lot of the fitness things that I'm doing. So I'm trying to sort of learn the the skills that people who do crazy stuff like powerlifting have have adapted throughout their their practice and learning and trying to steal it for myself because I'm, I'm somewhat average in, in all the fitness aspects that I'm doing. I, I don't excel in any particular one. I can do an okay deadlift. I can do an okay squat. But it's trying to steal these these little little breakthroughs. I mean, muscle memory is an interesting one by itself. My, my understanding of that is um your neural pathways every time you repeat mm-hmm. an action get reinforced with a sort of um a shielding that keeps the electrical signal going down its pathway i think yeah. that's the axioms i think it's called an axiom something like yeah that. well look some of the best lifters um will practice that lift every time that they're in the the gym mm. so they might uh set up for a squat and it might be just very light but just going through the motion and um, you know, I wish I had time to to throw that on the on the end on on top of everything else I have to do. But um, mm. you know, I th- I think that for me, it's just having small goals to uh, to try and uh, to to try and get, and that just sort of he- helps me um, reach that and move on. I mean, that's a pretty but, um, that's a pretty yeah. down to earth um, um, way of reconciling that thought. Did did you have the same thing when you were practicing guitar? Uh, well, it, it's always been uh, a means to an end, and having some basic goal to head towards, and then short term ones just to fulfil. So, if we had a really tough song that we had to play that was really technical, uh, we'd do enough practice to 
get that ready for that show. And that might mean that uh, something else had to be um, shortened or um, everything would would, would just be customised in a way that we would um, make sure that that performance was as good as it could be and not get carried away with anything that wasn't important. And, um, and, you know, I suppose the same could be said for, uh, for powerlifting. I'm not certainly not going for, uh, any long runs. But, uh, <laughs> How far do you reckon you can run at the moment? Oh, uh, I tested it. I went for a 5k run <laughs> nice. and, and it felt great. I, I cycle. Yeah. So, you know, I'm still fit, but, um, you know, anything longer than that, um, you know, it just, just, I just don't have the time for. Not about you know, to do a marathon. No, absolutely not. <laughs> you know, I, you know, you've got to. A big part of it is, um, you know, aside from the, the lifting, is making sure that you can eat enough mm. and uh, eat well and get enough sleep, and then you know, go to work. So by the time that's done, um, there's not really, not a lot of time for much else. Mm. My, my lifting sessions are. Um, sometimes 5.30 or 6 o'clock in the morning, and they go for about three hours. Three so, hours. Um, yeah, yeah. So what I'm learning is the more that you do, the stronger that you get, the more that you have to sort of uh, trick your body into getting stronger, bigger. So there's, uh, you know, you've got to be a little bit more careful with, um, you know, the numbers and the math and all that sort of stuff, but, you know, I work with a coach who sort of helps with all that sort of stuff. So, um, who's coaching at the moment? Is it still Max? No, so, um, I train out at a place called Elite Sports Performance, uh, ESP, and uh, that's in Spotswood, uh, a guy called uh, Marty Gerben. And um, he worked under or trained with Louis Simmons, who, um, runs a very famous gym in the US called uh, Westside Barbell. Mm, I've heard of that one. And yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, Marty was the uh, ex-Collingwood strength coach. Yeah. Uh, Collingwood Football Club. And, um, and the other guy um, I work with is, uh, is the uh, Melbourne Storm strength coach. His name's uh, Daniel Dick Pasqua. And, uh, and so... With those guys, I've got a lot of uh, a lot of good guidance, and um, and they're just obscenely strong. So, you know, I was told that I'd, I'd either get stronger or perish under the bar, and so so far it's been a little of both. But um, you know, I'm I'm still getting a bit strong here and there. So, I mean, these these guys who are training you, how in how in depth in the the theory side of things are they they taking you? Um, well, we, um, it's, it's, it's quite in depth, but we don't talk a lot about it. It's more do this, do that, mm. um, or just sort of, um, there isn't a lot of discussion as we're, as we're lifting because they're getting ready for their lifts. And so it's more, I'm sometimes just a fly on the wall participating and um, and then if I really need to, if, I, if there's something that I really don't understand, that I'll I'll ask and um, and Marty will go through it with me and and help where uh, 
where I can fix certain things. And, uh, and he, he's certainly been very good at that. What, what sort of things are you, what, what's like the main thing that you've had to fix throughout the last two years? Um, well, I had, um, I, I didn't, I was a bit weak in my upper back, um, which was causing uh, problems with my bench press. So I would feel a strain in my uh, front delt that was actually related to um, my upper back. So um, I actually, uh, there's a physiotherapist in Melbourne uh, named Andrew Locke, and he gave me, uh, he's, he's quite a, a, a famous physio for powerlifters and uh, bodybuilders. And... Um, he gave me some exercises to do to, to strengthen it up and he showed me some imbalances that I had. And, um, and that uh, it, it completely fixed the problem. Mm. How long did and it take so, for the physio stuff to work? Um, it, it took about a month. Mm. It, was, uh, it was incredible. It was like magic. And um, after that was fixed and my bench press went up, i just keep going back and, and, and say, hey, well, you know, my uh, deadlift's a bit weak at this point. What can you give me for that? <laughs> and uh, He jams a needle in your ass and sends you on your yeah, way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, I haven't, haven't been there yet. <laughs> but uh, but he, he, he gave me exercises that, um, that allowed me to, to get, to, to fix parts of, about me that were weak. And um, once I implemented them into my training, then um, you know certain certain things sort of came together, and I was able to uh, to get stronger. Can you were you actually able once you said, "Hey, you've got this problem with your upper back"? Were you able to immediately connect it to your delts and go, "Uh, yeah, I see how that's the problem." Like, is your proprioception of your muscle use that good? No, 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 it wasn't. Ah. It was, um, you know, it 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 is really it. It was just it, it made sense once he had explained it. And it made sense that um, that although I was feeling pain in one area, that wasn't the spot mm. that was getting uh, that was getting beaten down. So the more that I learn about the body, the more I'm I'm just trying to take small small steps into uh, implementing these things into into my my training and and fixing a few leaks here and there. Have you ever considered that the upper back problem? By the way, not a doctor. Might be one day, but not a doctor. Uh, would you ever consider that the probably, what, 10, more than that, 10, however many years you did Jack the Stripper, that abuse that you did to your body and combined with fairly stagnant studio work, I mean, you're just sitting there crashed yeah. over, is that the main contributor to the weakness in your back? Yeah, yeah, it could have been. It was, um, you know, maybe holding the guitar one way and spinning it with my right arm um you know i i had an, an imbalance with my right lat was um about a, i would say maybe probably a quarter bigger than the left <laughs> uh, and these were things that i hadn't even considered until um uh dr Locke took a photo of my back and and showed me what was fucked up basically mm. and uh you know, and, and and since you know that was um, that was about six months ago, or maybe eight months ago. So you know, since then, I've you know built up my uh, back. Um, you know, all the rear of my body is uh, so much more worked on 
hamstrings, glutes. And, you know, as a result, my, my, my lifts are, are going up and I'm getting stronger and um, I'm all those things that they, they suggested that uh, would could possibly work actually uh, ended up working. Does your grip strength keep up with the, the rest of you? No, the, the grip strength's never been a problem. My super, that could have been the other problem was causing imbalance was uh, my, my supinated hand was, um, was on the, the right. So I, w- I was probably uh, pulling, engaged more on that lat uh, more than the left. So what I do now is um, I'll, I'll train more with, with uh, straps just so that I can get a little bit more of a, um, uh, a, a, a symmetrical, symmetrical work in there, and as well as a lot of unilateral work as well. So your right arm supinator was forked. So, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, so that so that what what could have potentially been what was uh, causing the imbalance with my lat, or could have been spinning the guitar all those all those times. But well, I mean, it's sort you of you know we're, we're never built perfectly, so. It's it's worth having someone look at all these oh, things and speak um, for yourself. I'm pretty. I'm, <laughs> I reckon. I I had one of those uh, bizarro body scan things, like uh, the oh, IQ test. Have you done one of those where okay. they do a three D no, image of your body? I no, was pretty pleased with it. It was it was sort of cool to see. You can get them done at like a Snap Fitness or a local gym or whatever. Yeah. Okay. And as soon yeah, as oh, I finished, you've always it, been ripped. Oh, you should feel my butt. It is not ripped. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you're allowed to let that go a little. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sitting yeah. on my ass all day. Uh, yeah. But it was sort of interesting because it turns out my proportions were quite even and does it within, you know, three points of a decimal or something like that. Mm. But my actual activation, my proprioception is so average. Mm. Yeah. So it's sort of a coincidence. I'm very ambidextrous. So I, I have no problem using right or left hand for whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything, yeah. Julian, everything. <laughs> well, that, that's that's handy. Yes, and, it is. Um, <laughs> well. You know, I, I'm right-handed, um, so you know, I always throw a ball with the right, and and um, um, so you know, maybe that could have led to imbalances. You're super, I, you know, just even just yeah. from from standing up to all sorts of things. I, I look at the way that uh, uh, I move or walk uh, a lot differently because you can develop some really bad habits that you can just sort of carry through to to lifting. I'm just, I've been sitting here. I mean, I know you can't see me, but I'm just been, I'm literally just sitting here staring at my forearm because I've been, I've been studying the shit out of forearms lately. There are 20 muscles oh, yeah. in your forearm. It's ridiculous. Yeah. That's, it's uh, too many. That's pretty hardcore. I need like five yeah. really. But if you've been sitting in this nasty pronated position at a desk as well, why the hell yeah, would you ever well, have to be supinated too? Yeah. And um, I'd imagine you, you would potentially, uh, have some uh, RSI from all that editing, unless oh, you you would have all your shortcuts down, Pat. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've got custom yeah. shortcuts these days. Um, yeah, shortcuts and breaks. That's the key to editing. Ha- yep, half an hour. I actually use a um. I, I don't know how you moderate your time. I'm so I'm so glad we get to this because this is exciting because I'm really learning about time at the moment. And um, I actually have to thank a band called Voyager for that because I, I got so far oh, yeah. behind on one of their videos that they basically kicked my ass and they're like, where the hell is it? And I'm like, oh crap, I don't know how to, I don't know how to do my time. And I'm sitting here with like many books and, and laptops and computers at all. I even have time management going in the background right now. But that half an hour limit for me is when I have to stand up and walk around and do stuff. Yeah, that's that's it. But half an hour, you can get so much stuff done. Yeah, you focus and prioritize 
certain things and, and, and learn to be efficient. But how do you say to gym for three hours? Uh, if I do that, I'm like, I've wasted my day. I need to go. I need to go right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look, it, it, it uh, sometimes feels like a long time, but, but, you know, you can also, um, I feel it, it, it's quite therapeutic in a way. And I, I certainly, um, it's therapeutic in the sense that it is suffering and then as soon as I've left, I'm enjoying life again because training is not fun. It, it, none of it is really that enjoyable. The training, the, the competition can be enjoyable once you pull a big lift. But um, I feel like if you're doing it properly and you're lifting heavy, um, it really shouldn't feel good. So look, by the time I'm out of there, I can handle anything. <laughs> That's uh, some good advice for some novice powerlifters. Yeah, yeah. You're not going to like this. It's uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of times I just think, you know, why, why am I doing this to myself? And then you know, the only fear I have is losing all my gains. Sick gains. I mean, it must be Sick awesome. I, I had a chat with um, uh gosh, kind of. I think it was uh, Ryan Vender Puderine, the guy from Devon Townsend, and okay, um, cool. we were talking about because I want to try to get him on the podcast. If he listens this far, can you please get him a podcast? Uh, and he said that when he trains with Devon Townsend on tour, which is something I want to get to, he he enjoys the fact there's an accountability partner. I mean, I'm sure you have uh, Marty and Daniel, your coaches, yep. to sort of thank for that sort of thing like that person that keeps you training and going back i mean I, I tend to train either by myself or with my partner rach who's awesome she like she corrected all my deadlift stuff today which was lovely mm. she's a monster right. yeah and um who like who when you were on tour who were you able to work out at all uh yeah yeah so so um max who um was training me for um when I started strength training, uh, Max and I would go and find um, gyms here and there. Um, we would um, also just work out in those makeshift gyms that are in parks. Mm. So they've got sort of basic machines and pull-ups you can do just about anywhere. And um, the guys would join in sometimes. But when you're away, it's just everything's just so much harder mm. because you've had to walk a long way to find that, for instance, or you've had to walk all over festivals and stuff. And, and most of the time you just want to, you just want to sit down and, uh, and go to sleep, you know, which is in such short supply that, um, I, I just love the idea of like, I just, for any listeners out there, please go do yourself a, a favor for any listeners. What am I talking about? For every million listeners out there, you should go have a, have a look at some live Jack the Stripper stuff. Cause I mean, you guys would be so sore and so tight. Did you stretch? Did you do remedial work on yourselves? Trigger point? Yeah. Well, well um, Luke uh, was a personal trainer for, uh, for quite a few years and um, you know, very knowledgeable. Um, so he would help as well. Um, and Max and uh, yeah, the, Max and Luke would, would be right on, you know, what was hurting, how to fix it. Um, so there'd be a little bit of that. We'd, we'd try and sort of, uh, there wasn't too much 
massaging each other, but you know, maybe, maybe a little bit of deep heat here or there. Um, I like to give the guys uh, a little massage from time. That's sort of my, yeah. my shtick on, on tour. It's like, oh, you look yeah, a little bit tour. tight, Josh. Let me just jam my fingers into your rhomboids. And he's like, please, <laughs> no. And I'm like, suffer. Oh, that's good. They think I'm, sure I'm being cute, but I'm, I'm asserting dominance in a way they can't even <laughs> fathom. Yeah. No, we'd find a few gym. I found a CrossFit gym. Um, they just let us use it for free. What really? Where? Um, uh, that was um, was it in Germany. Oh, where? I think that was in Prague. Um, yeah, it was in Prague actually. Prague. Oh, cool. We're going there. We yeah. should. Which? What's the name of that place? I'll go check it out. Oh, I there. can't remember, but I'll send you a link. It was right near where we were staying, and um, you know, I, I I don't know if they just. I can't remember whether there was a language barrier. Maybe they just thought, "Oh, fuck it, we can't be bothered <laughs> trying to figure out how to." charge these people let's just sit let them in so we did some squats we did you know a lot of the time um when we did have weights to use we'd do some some compound exercises give us a run down get... this sounds awesome well um we 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 do deadlifts squats bench press or some sort of rows so when we're away you, you really couldn't get too technical with what you can do so a compound exercise would have most bang for its buck in that you'd work the hardest and then you just have to find some food somewhere and just eat and go to sleep. But, you know, sometimes you wouldn't have the luxury of being able to recover from a big workout like that. So you just have to do something light. So you're in maintenance um, mode for, for a lot of that then? Yeah, it was, it was really hard to get uh, regular workouts in hmm. because um, a big part of, um, getting stronger is having routine with eating and also sleeping. And we would do um, um, a gig in, in one festival and have to drive for 19 hours across to another festival um, and just the sleep was shit. Mm. And, uh, and a lot of the time we would, uh, we, we'd, we'd have our own van um, we had to load all of our gear up until the apartment that was staying in Italy that was like fourth story up or something like that. And so constantly sort of loading and unloading Pelican cases and stuff. So you're always tired. You can't just sort of chill out. So um, You didn't sneak in the cheeky it... Pelican case bicep curl on the way up? Like, oh, yeah, one for good, <laughs> one for good luck. Yeah, nice. Road no, case. no, it was, it was nothing like that because you're always <laughs> just lifting them. Um so yeah, it was it was hard to, it was hard to get a proper workout. It was hard to sort of apply regular training while on tour, or well, the way that we were touring anyway, which was very uh, DIY. It's an admirable venture, I think. We sort of did that on our last Europe tour, but we were only there for two weeks, and we didn't even try. To be honest, we were just we, I can't even fathom it. That's why when I'm going over in October this year, I'm trying to get some tips. From anyone, yeah. I mean, I think the compound lift thing is a pretty, pretty great idea, and yeah, I'm a big calisthenics nerd. I, I yeah, I, yeah, I love the idea of just throwing myself onto a bar, and you play too much Assassin's Creed, it happens to you. Can't help it. <laughs> Good flipping about. Yeah, well, um, I think it's just getting enough rest in. Mm. You know, um, most most tours um, are over. Uh, well, the bands that we were playing with anyway would do a couple of weeks at a time. Um, the longest one we had was six weeks. Um, 
And, um, yeah, it was just, we just wasn't able to, to juggle both lifting and touring properly. You know, at best you might maintain and, um, but really you're going to lose some strength because you just can't get enough food and routine in there. Does that psychology sort of mess with you though? I mean, if I, if I go a week without working out, I will get anxious and I will get depressed. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I guess if it's just something that you enjoy doing, then, um, you know, it's, it's a, a bit of a trade-off there. Mm. Um, or maybe you can turn it into a routine where you know what gyms you're going to go to and you're not stressing about finding some place and then, then finding where to get food immediately after that. And um, because it's a lot of work to have to sort of time all of that sort of stuff as well as getting proper sleep. And then, you know, if you're not staying at a hotel, if you're staying with some people, you've got to be, you know, polite. So you can't just sort of go to bed anytime that you want. Uh, so <laughs> it's just, it's, it's a constant compl- compromise to, um, to try and do the two. So that that's, uh, can't happen now, right? As, as sort of someone training for competitions, you've got to be pretty strict with every aspect of how you plan your probably week. I'm guessing you're a weekly yeah, well, planner. When we were going away for, um, for, uh, for Europe, we did the option of, um, we, I think we had a week off in between Europe and Asia the option of coming back or just staying up there and hanging out. Um, we, and we opted just to hang out because how lovely would that be? We didn't, yep. <laughs> you know, and of course we just got sick of each other. Um, <laughs> whereas, you know, I, I think if you're, if you're touring and coming back that you're able to not lose too much, get enough food in and then you can find a way. So I, I guess this is just from my experience that, uh, the touring that we were doing, as well as the extreme performance, um, and also having pre-workout um, in the evenings Ooh. and then not being able to properly sleep, um, was just too much for my body anyway. What was your pre-workout of choice? Uh, I think it was called C4. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, they're, they're all the same, really. They all taste like shit. Do you like um, the beta alanine ones that make you tingly? Um, I, I have never actually had that. What? Um, That's the best bit. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I, I, I hadn't had, the, I just take creatine and a few, um, few, few supplements for magnesium, zinc, uh, glutamine, but I, I don't actually really even have pre-workout anymore. Just coffees. Yeah. Just one coffee in the morning. Because when you're having to, my workouts are now um, six days a week. Um, and, you know, you, that stuff doesn't last for three hours. So, um, you know, you just, you just try and make uh, being strong the standard. And uh, you got to just um, get through your workout and maybe put on some Pantera just to, uh, to give you a bump. And that's it. Are you, are you music every time you work out? Can you even work out without something playing? Um, not, not all the time. It definitely does help. I'll, I'll, I'll put something on for, um, deadlifts if I'm working out by myself. But, um, if I'm working out, uh, you know, with the guys and then, um, you've got to be able to communicate a little bit 
and um, and you know they're, they're constantly talking about um, what weight they want to do or whether they want to do bands and stuff. So to have headphones on would be uh, not very inclusive. Um, but um, you know, there, there's always some music playing at the gym, but you know it can varies to whoever gets in there, whether it be some hip hop or sometimes they'll play you know it'll be some you know Metallica, Danzig or or whatever. So Pantera is your um, weapon of choice. Yeah, yeah. I'll 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 listen to that if I want to get fired up. But um, what song? Come on, you got to go into detail now. Um, what, what it can't I, be walk. I you think, can't choose walk. No, but probably my my favorites are an obvious choice. I, I like for powerlifting. It'd have to be strength beyond strength. <laughs> okay, that's a good one. It's just got the great greatest start, and it just goes and. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. Do you get it's music for powerlifting? When when you're competing, do you get music? Do you get to choose music or anything like that, or is it over too fast? Um, so for last competition, I um, I did have earbuds in, and um, I set myself up so I could see the board, so I could see when I'm coming up. Um, and I just as soon as it was time for me to to lift, um, I'd take them out, and um. And I found that really helped just relax me in a way and help me focus. So I'll probably be trying that in um, competitions to come. So the last couple of comps, I had a, you know, a coach help me say, put your knee wraps on here or do this, do that. And, um, and having that just sort of helps um, focus on all the other things that you've got to focus on to be able to do a, a proper lift. I'm really excited to to delve into that actually. Cause I mean, I don't think I'll ever do a strongman competition. I, I, you know why I tell you why I tell you why right now. Can't be bothered. Really can't be bothered. Can't eat that much too. Uh, well, if they've got light weight categories, you could do, um, I'm huge. Julian, don't break the illusion. Yeah. What, what are you? 80, uh, 75 <laughs> kilos. Ah, that's pretty good. 74. Yeah. I'm a we little boy. Do under 80. Yeah. Just put it on a little bit. You know, just a short goal of putting a little bit of weight. It'll probably all be muscle by the time you do a powerlifting cycle. What should my what should my deadlift be to even consider myself a competitor in that? Well, if you're just doing um, if you're just doing a local comp, um, two hundred would be pretty good. Oh, geez. I'm pretty far off. You're pretty far. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, look, progression, you get man. there, you know, it's, um, it's, it's just practice and eating. Let's, um, uh, oh, so yeah, I, I right. want to revisit this strongman, the, the uh, powerlifting meet. I really, really want to get inside your head for a sec and in sort of excruciating detail that I don't even know if you've thought about externalizing Please, yeah. it. So yep. you've just taken the head, you, you see your name come up on the board, the headphones come mm-hmm. out. Yep. The, what is the thought pattern from there? Uh, well, it's different for each lift. So, um, what's your best one? We'll do the best one. Um, well, if it's a squat, I'm a little bit. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm sensing that my knees. Uh, uh, I'm losing circulation uh, because those wraps are just so tight. Um, so that's a little bit uncomfortable. And then it's just about um, getting yourself in a position to be as, as tight as possible. And then when it's unracked, it's uh, committing to how fucking heavy it feels all of a sudden. 
and then just just try to go through the motion of getting it done. Do you count but, in your um, head? Do you go three, two, one, down we go? The frontal lobe. Trip? No, we take it. We take a take a breath, and you 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 uh, have a look at the the uh, head ref who gives you your commands. There's all sorts of rules like your knees being locked and still mm. before having to, to before given the uh, squat command, and then there's a, a there's a certain depth that you have to reach. So I'm um, conscious of uh, making sure that the weight is heavy enough for it to break bound past the wraps and for it to be a legal squat. Uh, so I may not tight, tight quite as tight for the very first lift and then I'll go as tight as I can for the last lift as it gets progressively heavier. Have you failed at a, at a meet? Um, I've, yeah, I've, um, I've only failed a squat once. And that was the last attempt on the first, um, uh, on, on, on the uh, last attempt of squat. And um, I felt uh, my last bench and the last comp was a little bit too heavy and, um, and a deadlift as well. So, so one of each, but um, I've only, yeah, I've only missed three times. What, what, I mean, not, what goes not, through not your head? Not the same comp. Is it just like, I mean, surely you don't give up. It must just overwhelm you. Yeah. Um, well, for, for the deadlift, as soon as the bar starts to come down, you're, you're disqualified. It's the same with the bench press as well. So it's very strict. So um, if my bench press is 150 in competition, that means that it's coming down controlled, resting on my chest still, and then I wait for a command to press it. Yeah, so it's a lo lot different from just bombing a bar onto your chest. <laughs> uh, um, you know, so, you know, maybe your bench might be 10 kilos heavier if you did it that way. So the conditions are quite uh, strict. Mm. So um, for a squat, if you fail a squat, you've got, um, well, you've got people around you the whole time, apart from a deadlift anyway, to sort of scoop you up and... Um, and put you back to where you need to be. I mean, it's a pretty but, um, egoless adventure, isn't it? You can't be too perturbed by that. Yeah, well, in high-level powerlifting, it's really not uncommon to miss your third lift. Usually the first lift is like your last warm-up, and uh, your second might be a PB or a little bit more, and then, um, and then your last is, you know, generally you're trying to, you're trying to break a record. Um, but it, it depends, you know, it might be more or less depending on uh, what the other lifters are doing or whether you're just focused on uh, getting a PB for yourself or whether you're actually competing against, um, you know, the, 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 other, uh, the other guys competing in the, uh, in the competition. This is all so foreign to me. It's fascinating. Yeah. So, so I might have 275 deadlift, um, but the guy before me, I was only managed to do 260, so mm. I'll just I'll, I'll, I'll do uh, you know 262.5 and win, you know. Yeah, so right. at at this stage for me, it's it's uh, really just about um, getting my lifts more competitive because as you go up in the ranks, um, you know the the top guys um, have got a little bit more towards um, 800 totals. 
in the elite, it's more towards 900 totals. Um, so yeah, we're talking the 110 kilo weight class. Yeah, so right. it's, um, uh, you know, th- these are untested federations, but um, they just so happen to be um, the fairest and uh, the most fun. So your, your first comp, you had a 610 kilo total. Yep. What about currently? What was, what was your last one? Uh, last total was 695. Well, that's a massive increase. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, you, you gain muscle. Um, you also, you, there's a lot of techniques, so you get used to weights being heavy. Um, but, um, yeah, it's, it's uh, like th- th- there are some really strong people. They all come out of the woodwork. Um, naturally, I think I've been strong. The first time I did 200, I did it for five. But um, I think I saw that video. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a surprise to me actually. But um, <laughs> I love the idea yeah. of getting to the top of the deadlift and being like, "Whoa, whoa, everyone, yeah. check me out." That's great. Yeah, it was. Look, it's it's a great feeling. But look, you practice at anything long enough and do everything that's required, then um, you're going to get decent results. And then at the top level, then you you've got more genetics involved mm. that are going to dictate whether um, someone's really built for ultimate squat or deadlift or bench or whatever. Some of those things just really just opened up my mind to what powerlifting must be like in the, in the competitive instance. Yeah, it's, um, I, I was most interested in powerlifting because the weights were absolute and um, couldn't necessarily be disputed. Um, was a the band you know if the band didn't play so well, or maybe played really well, then it's all sort of subjective. So just having something that was just an absolute number to work towards was um was kind of a bit refreshing, and um and also I wanted to get away from some of the politics in music. Of course, but uh, the the more that uh, I get into powerlifting, there seems to be uh, a lot of politics in that as well. There seems to be. Wherever there are people, they seem to uh, bring in their politics. So, so you seem um, like quite a stoic, a man of stoicism in that regard. Just yeah, everyone get well, on with it. Yeah, well, it, it 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 shouldn't be very complicated, and if uh, people work together, then you can uh, achieve good things. But um, were you a metronome bandit? Uh, did we have click? Like, is it when you were learning? When you were formative yeah, in your guitar playing, did you yeah. stick by it pretty hard? Yeah, well. Um, I um I had a mechanical metronome for the longest times. I started playing oh, guitar cool. when I was seven, uh, classical guitar. So you know, I would have to work with the metronome. And then later, as I was producing bands, um, I learned quickly that uh, quickest way to polish a turd was to cut it all up and uh, get it on the grid, and um, and get everyone to play as in time as much as possible. <laughs> And of course, this uh, this can all bands can your great bands can vary from a little bit off the click and grid and completely subscribe to that. But when we're working with a local band, you want to have that shit down. That's sort of like in in video editing land. You don't let the cut go longer than it takes for someone to look awkward. It's almost mm. the same sort of concept. You're just like as long as 
This clip doesn't go to the part where their eyes sort of half open and, and falling over because they were headbanging too hard. You're sort of sweet. Absolutely. And it's just a thing and then having to talk to the clients about working with the click so they get used to it. And look, having that as a, a foundation for their playing really just gives them a lot of uh, confidence. You know, you never hear of someone being accused of being too in time. So it's a beautiful thing. Uh, no, no, no. There's the, the John Petrucci hate bandwagon where he's too robotic. Because it's like it's always someone a bit insecure about their, they're sort of projecting their crappy practice and and being like, yeah, it sounds too much like a robot. It's like it's called a metronome, dickhead. Use it. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's um, he has he has a flavour of his own, and um, I'm sure he knows when to pull in and out of time. Um, I don't think people's objectives really are that it is too in time. It's just they're probably feeling a little defensive that they have play out of time. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's just more just a taste of music more than anything. So I'm, feel, I'm feeling like I want to do some, some really cheeky little questions at you to, to sort of finish up and then sort of the main one that, that I want to address. Yeah, um, shoot. I love that I've got my, like, my 15 questions or so here and I think we did like two. But, yeah, so <laughs> that's, and that's all I care about. So some quick questions that I'm curious about and I don't care if anyone else is and they can just just get back to playing their best of Katy Perry list is if you were going to recommend someone getting into any sort of exercise-based training, especially, I mean, someone who you know that can dedicate their time and energy to doing it, what is like the, the most important tool that you've come across that you've purchased and gone, if I didn't have this, I wouldn't be able to, I wouldn't be where I am today as far as fitness goes. In terms of equipment or... Equipment, uh, literature, experience, anything like that. I think probably the, the, the best thing you could throw your money on is having uh, a personal trainer show you how to do the lips correctly. Absolute best thing you can do. From there, you can execute those lifts properly uh if you get into bad habits it's just going to take a long time to get out of those habits or you might injure yourself so i, I think that's probably uh the best thing I, I had i was fortunate enough that um my brother max as a personal trainer was able to help me out a lot and uh and then from there moved to various uh strength gyms who you know gave me um some great tips but um you know if you don't already have that base um you may not get uh, you, you you may not get that sort of help unless you you're paying for it. So it it's a good thing to to work with someone who knows what they're doing. How do you sort that? How do you know what's a convincing PT know? How do you trust them? Um, I, I think with with social media is generally you're able to find out who's been successful with athletes. Like a lot of the top strength coaches are pretty accessible. So, you know, you can see their, their track record. You know, some of them might be more expensive than, um, than just your regular, um, you know, Globo gym, but, or, or maybe not. Um, it's just so easy to get that information now. Um, so you, you can read and watch YouTube videos on how to, to do these things, but unless you can get someone to actually coach you on how your levers work, and uh, what you could be doing wrong, then um, you know, you're just sort of flying blind. 
So you recognize your genetic potential at this point? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I know where my strengths are um, and I know what I have to work on. And um, I'm lucky to be training with people that have such um, uh, a complete sense of uh, building strength overall. Uh, and it is time consuming, but um, but it's it's rewarding that um, when I was doing uh, just a straight linear progression, mm. I would get strong very quickly, but then get uh, sore somewhere. So the way that I'm training now, it's it's um, well, I'm not sure if it's been slower yet because I haven't test my, tested my new maxes. But um, you left you leave no stone unturned with all the small accessory exercises you do and the weird and wonderful machines, reverse hyper and belt squats. And um, if you ever uh, have the opportunity to um, Google any of these things, West Side uh, methods, a conjugate, concurrent, um, you'll see some pretty interesting ways of training. Great. All right, next one. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. This isn't necessarily fitness related, but this is more just, just musician slash tool related. What is the most important thing, and don't say your instrument, to bring on tour, to have a good time? Mm. Well, do you know, we, we would never really be able to bring a lot of extra gear, um, but bringing a, bringing a book, sometimes a good thing, because it means you can uh, uh, get some time to yourself and sort of uh, escape everything that's going on around you. And maybe just just an organised phone with enough music to listen to. But yeah, I I I didn't have anything too unique that I was doing because I was able I had to organise so much shit. But just taking a bit of time for yourself, which is probably the most important thing. So probably not a single material thing that I can think of. What did you but, read about? Uh, what was your book of choice? Yeah, it's, it's a, a lot of it was actually. Um, powerlifting related material, strongman, a lot of stuff from Mark Ripito, Bill Kazmaier, um, and any time, you know, a strongman would release, uh, you know, an e-book like Brian Shaw. It was good to hear about things that they were doing while doing music being such a, such a different sort of thing. But um, goals-oriented sort of people, it was um, inspiring. Yeah. I mean, that's why I like talking to, to pretty much everyone that I've got on this podcast. Everyone's got these pretty distinct goals and that's nice to hear about. I like, that's, that's the thing that makes me want to get up and do stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, it's great to have goals. And for me in powerlifting, short-term goals has been what um, has kept me going rather than have general long-term ones. But the short-term ones with competitions are the ones that keep you motivated. That's sort of, I mean, that. Well, that ties us into the final question. Isn't this fun? This is what it all comes down to. How do you convince yourself to do it all again when you wake up? If I'm booking myself in for a competition, I know that I have three months to get ready. So hopefully from the last competition, I've put on a little bit more weight. So I've got new totals to work towards new percentages. So the workouts... Um, are different every time. So I guess you're unveiling new potential each time and um, they become less and less as you go along. And, and uh, well, Marty tells me that I'm in the honeymoon period of weightlifting. <laughs> but um, 
it's just overcoming challenges, speaking to people about how to, how you could, and then when that actually works, it's incredibly rewarding, and just being completely in control of it yourself is satisfying instead of having to rely on other people to um, to uh, come together to make something happen. So it's a progression is what uh, what motivates me to keep going. Yeah, it's, it's the beauty of powerlifting. It's, it's numbers. So um, you're working to a percentage and... Um, and then when you break that PB, it's a very satisfying feeling. Awesome. Hopefully uh, everyone's got something out of this delicious, juicy interview with Julian. Juicy interview, that that work for you? I like to be juicy, so yeah. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> All right, make sure you check the show notes and see what other juicy, delicious things he has in store. We'll link you to all the socials and all the crazy amounts of things that I've written down here. Um Thank you so much for your time, Julian. Thank you very much, Adrian. It was a great time. Once again, thank you to Julian Renzo for getting involved with this first season of the Major Lift podcast. If there's anything else you would like to know, feel free to contact me at themajorliftpodcast at gmail.com. Get back to what you're meant to be doing. <laughs>